So <clears throat> I'm going to start with Hebrews 3.19. I feel very, feels very preachy today, very pastoral. Um, 3.19 of Hebrews in the Passion says, It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Do you know who we're talking about? Anybody? We're talking about the Israelites having wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, being ripped from the throngs of Pharaoh by the loving hand of a father. And they wandered for 40 years. And it should have been a 40-day journey if you look at a map. At least, they hit, at least they hit the 40, 40 years. Now, 40 is interesting because biblically 40 means a generation, if you know that. So for an entire generation, God's chosen, God's people grumbled and complained in freedom. And because of it, the Bible says they did not reach their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. The greatest threat to reaching your inheritance, to walking in your inheritance, is not the enemy. It's not Twitter. It's not Facebook, although it seems like it sometimes. It's not CNN. It's not Fox News. It's unbelief. The greatest threat to a corporate move of God is not the enemy. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. He cannot even, even with you, he is powerless over sons and daughters. It is not him. It is unbelief. And we have to grab unbelief by the throat and say, not today. We can't let any ounce of unbelief in our heart because what happens is that then it sits there and it begins to grow like mold, like a cancerous tumor. And then one day we wake up and we go, I don't even know if I believe God is who he says he is after all. But it didn't, you didn't just jump from that from one point to the next. It was weeks and months and years of doubting God. And to one day you go, I don't even know if God is God. We see deception all over the place. I mean, I had, I've had friends I've ministered with years ago. Um, and and I'm, not question, I'm not questioning their salvation, but I mean, I look at their Facebook post now and I'm going to go like, are you guys even saved? <laughs> like, you have any friends like that? You're like, what happened to you? What happened? Well, what happened was they got jaded by the things of life and circumstance and they took their eyes off the Father and they, they started looking around and seeing other things that were attracting their attention. False gods. And they let unbelief creep and creep and creep into the heart. And they're powerless right now. They're walking powerless Christianity. Jesus, I should always preach about Jesus a little bit. Jesus raised in Nazareth, right? Now, as a teenager, what kind of teenager do you think Jesus was? I mean, he was probably a pretty good kid, but he was a teen, he was human too. It's like the, it's the weird pull we have where he's fully human, fully God, right? It's this weird thing. 
Um, I don't know if you got if you think about it, it kind of kind of blows your like blows your mind. Like what in the world? Fully human, fully God. When did God? When did Jesus, as a boy, know he was the Son of God and God incarnate? Do you know what I mean? Um, was it when he was playing tag? He's running around. So he so he lived in this this town was you know his hometown, raised there. So everyone saw him as a kid, growing up. Oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Who probably, when he became an adult, a young adult, probably wasn't a carpenter. It's more likely he was a stone mason. If you go to, I've never been to Israel. My wife and I had a chance. I'm very, I'm very throaty today. It's because that song just took it out of me. But it was worth it. <clears throat> I'm very throaty. Froggy. Um, tough crowd. My, uh, my wife and I, we were invited a few years ago, maybe three, to go to Israel, um, fully paid, uh, everything taken care of. And um, I asked the question to the person who was paying. I said, oh, can my kids come? No, not in this instance. Kids can't come. I'm like, ooh, I don't think so. I don't want to go. I have this, I'm one of these dads where I don't want to be across, like, the, literally the other side of the world without my children. Thank you. Dr. Cedric is in the house. Is that Cedric? I can't tell with a mask, doctor. Is it? And, um, and so I'm like, eh, let's, I told Carla, let's wait till they're a little bit older because I want to take them. Plus, what a great experience for your kids to walk the footsteps of Christ. And so we didn't go, but we're planning a trip in a couple years. And uh, maybe 2020, we're planning a trip, and we actually might open it up to do like a church trip. Uh, 2022. I don't, guys, don't quote me on this. It's just we're just throwing it out. Zach and Rochelle have talked about maybe we can go like sister churches go on a trip or something like that. But um, so I've never been to Israel. How many of you have been to Israel? Israel. I think it's Israel. Israel. Lee, you've never been to Israel. You got to come with us. You want to come? You can pay. <laughs> pay for me. It's pretty expensive, dude. So, but there's not a lot of what from people that have gone who have talked to me, there's not a lot of wood buildings, old wood buildings, like from Jesus' day. They were, they were made of stone. And so it's more appropriate to think that Jesus was actually a stone. Is it called stone mason? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Jesus also said the stone that the builders rejected? So um, this stone mason comes back to his hometown, and now he's sitting and teaching in the same synagogues, in the same synagogue that he once as a little young boy and as a teenager would sit in and listen to the rabbis, the rabbis. Now he's teaching. And the Bible says that from Mark's perspective, Mark, did you know Mark actually, Peter is the one who told Mark the story. Did you know that about Mark? Do some research. It's pretty cool. Peter is the one that relayed all these stories, and Mark transcribed them into his own book. So it's actually Peter's version of what happened. I don't know if you knew that. could be called Peter. But... um. See that when you become a pastor, you have to actually study the little things, and you find out some things that I didn't know before. 
Now I know. Uh, so Peter tells Mark, everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. And the Bible says they marveled at his wisdom. They marveled at his wisdom. But then it says they begin to, to say, wait a minute, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this the boy we used to see running around? What does he think he's doing? He thinks he's coming in here and telling us how to live, telling us the ways of God. And then it says that they became offensive. They took offense to what he was saying. And their offense birthed unbelief. They had just praised him moments earlier until they realized who he was. And then offense gripped their hearts. And this is what happens with us sometimes. Offense breeds unbelief. And so we see my friend's mother who has cancer. We pray and she gets healed. And then we're excited and we rejoice. And then my own family member gets the same cancer. And we pray and we go through the same steps and the same formula. And we say the same prophetic words. And my family member dies. And then I go, I don't understand, God, because one was healed and one died. And then a fence creeps at our door and says, pick me up. Pick me up. And we pick up a fence. And then unbelief creeps right behind. And then we live our life wondering if God is actually healer or wondering if God is actually provider or wondering if God is actually who he says he is. And we lose hope. And the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But what? A dream or a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. How about going back to the Israelites I love what it says in the Passion. It says they were grumbling so much that they grieved God. You don't think you can grieve God? You don't think you can grieve God? In the New Covenant, you think you can grieve God? They grieved God by sinning in their unbelief. I believe you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And it says they sinned. The sin was not their grumbling and murmuring. Actually, sometimes it's okay to grumble to God. <laughs> I've done it a few times. <laughs> Can you be angry and not sin? Yeah. But the sin and what turned their heart was the unbelief. And the passion says they grieved God by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. Could you imagine that? I should have had a better sound effect for that. I should have queued it up. You imagine walking around. We're on year like 36. And like, oh, there goes Martha. Bam. There she's dead. She's dead. What happened to her? Well, unbelief. Too much. Too much doubt. There's Jerry. Jerry's still with us. Oops. Dead unbelief. And the Bible says because of their unbelief, they didn't get to experience their inheritance. You want to stop the promise of God on your life? Well, God said it's going to happen. Oh, that's right. But you want to stop the promise? It's not the enemy. It's you. 
It's your own unbelief. You can stop and sever that thing right in its tracks. But there's good news coming, everybody. <laughs> I feel so, so like rough. It's the voice. Blah. How about Abraham? Ooh, we love Abraham. Abraham had a promise from God. What was the promise? That his generations, like we sang about it, the sand of the sea. You ever been to, you ever been to a beach? There's a lot of sand on a beach. So I was raised in Hawaii, and uh, I was born in California, lived in San Diego till I was seven, and I was raised in Hawaii. My dad took a pastorate over there. He took a pastorate in Hawaii. It's rough. Although it wasn't like you thought. It's not, it wasn't like all, par- it, was, yeah, it was paradise, but it was like, what? Who's, who wants to heckle me right now? Oh, I found one of these. Our voice. Mmm. That's good. That's going to help my voice. I couldn't surf, though, growing up. For some reason, I didn't have the balance to surf, so I boogie boarded a lot. You know what a boogie board is? Some call it body board. I was really good at the boogie board. Man, there were some waves, though. Woo! Anyway. Sand would get all everywhere. Oh, man, especially when we have kids. Man, we go to the beach. We go to San Diego. We go to the beach, and we let the little girls play in, you know, in the sand because um, I don't want them out too far. So I'm like, I'd rather them play in the sand. Let's build a sand castle, Coco and Savvy. So we build these sand castles, and they get sand everywhere, and we come home, and we're giving them bass, and they have sand in every creek and crevice for days. It's like sand everywhere, and sand on the seashore is very harsh, Right? It's not like it's not, it's not like dirt or like the like the dust here. You pick up some dust out in Vegas and it's just like, poof, and then you, no man, this stuff's this stuff will tear your skin right up. There's a lot of it. It's my point. There was a point, and Abraham knew the promise of God was that I was going to have descendants greater than all these that I can see, all these little sand kernels that I can see. But it doesn't happen in the time he thinks it should happen, and they're getting old. So you know the story. I don't, need to, I don't need to tell the story. He sets it up where his wife gets birth, gives birth. Ishmael. But that's not, God's, that's not what God said. That was not God's plan. So finally, he, they're old. They're old age. She gives birth. Here's, here's, the, here's the one. And then he's raising this boy. And he knows and he sees, man, this is the one. This is the one. This is the one. And God goes, and it seems really cruel. God goes, kill him. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, sometimes you read the Bible, you're like, man, God, that looks really bad. <laughs> like, And Abraham, because he never let unbelief into his heart once his son was born, that we can see. He says, okay, so he takes him. And the Bible says he knew that God could raise him from the dead. He would raise his son from the dead. And so we know the story, depending on which movie you saw or which, you know, comic book you read. There's the Bible comic books or whatever. There is Abraham lifting up his sword or his knife to come down, and God says, 
and just stop? No. He passed the test of unbelief. This is the example we have to live by. The Abraham example. You trust God with the promise, even when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But if God says to veer, then you veer. Not if man says to veer. Your steps, if you are righteous, if you are a son, guess what they are? They're ordered. You can trust them. They're a lamp unto your feet, the word of God. Jesus himself, he's a lamp unto your feet. So just follow. No doubt. Don't let any unbelief in your heart. Do you believe you're a son of God? Do you believe you're a daughter of God? Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus is your healer? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power and that you can release the power of heaven? Do you believe that God is with you, that he's for you? Do you believe Psalm 91 over your life? I think Psalm 91 is the chapter of this season for our church. Do you believe God will guide you and help you walk out the dreams that he has placed in your heart? I love the example of Peter. Peter is a cool dude. A lot of, there's a lot of us who kind of relate to Peter, I think. Um, kind of loudmouth a little bit. And um, let me see if I can read it out of the word here. Or I can just tell you the story. We all know the story. So Peter is the only human that we know of that um, walked on water besides Jesus, right? You know of anybody else? If anybody knows, I think Lee would know. So I, we have this friend who's, um, who was one of the uh, leaders at Bethel, one of the pastors there, and he had a son who ran a church in L.A. and uh, ran a youth group in L.A. And this guy was telling us the story um, he was telling my wife and I <clears throat> one time we were doing a conference and he was back, we were in the green room or whatever, and he's telling us the story about how his, his son, um, we were, they were studying the story of Peter and uh, Jesus walking on water. And they're like, well, Peter did it and Jesus did it. And Jesus said, we're going to do greater exploits. We're going to do greater things. So if Jesus can walk on water, why can't we? So this youth, this youth got all excited. They're like, okay, let's meet at so-and-so's house, they got a pool, we're going to go there. And so they all showed up, and this youth pastor's there. He's like kind of seeing, mm, what's going to happen here? This is cool. You know, I, if I was a youth pastor, I wouldn't be like, you're a bunch of crazies. You know, okay, let's, I would actually kind of see what happens. I'd be like, oh, let's see them all fall. You know, it'd be kind of funny. But so he encouraged it, I guess. And so faith, so faith stirred up in their hearts. So they got to this house, and because they didn't want to have any unbelief in their heart, they, had to, they made sure they were fully clothed. You can't put on... You can't put on swimming trunks or a bathing suit, you unbeliever. How dare you? Put your clothes back on. So all the kids that kept their clothes and even made it more, believe, to have less doubt, everyone kept their phones in their pockets because we're going to walk on water. You better believe it. So as he tell, he's telling us the story, so the first one, who's going to go first? Uh, little Jimmy. Little Jimmy's going first. I don't know if it was Jimmy, but let's just say it. Jimmy. Jimmy. Always the Jimmy. Always Jimmy. Jimmy Concorn. And are you ready, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. I'm going. 
He's probably speaking in tongues too. And he puts his foot down, tests the, the pool water. Oh, it's pretty good. I'm going. Both feet in. Bam. Straight to the ground of the pool. Next one. I got more faith than you. Watch this. So the next one goes. He tries it. And bam. Straight to the ground. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. I actually think. I, I remembered this. I forgot the first story. I actually think one of them took a step, actually. I think I remember him saying that. But they all got all wet, and their phones, this is before iPhones, this is a long time ago, this is when iPhones were not, were barely anything, and probably they weren't waterproof. So he was telling me that the youth pastor, that guy got a lot of uh, angry calls from parents about, you ruined my kid's phone by letting them do this. I thought, it was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool, though, that they had that faith to do that. Um, and then he said, later, they said, well, Jesus walked through walls, so we, we want to walk through walls, too. And that, that didn't go well, either. <laughs> so we, we know the story of Peter. So Peter and the disciples are on the boat, on a boat. And all of a sudden... Storm comes. Man, it seems like every time we turn on, there's storms over the Sea of Galilee. What's happening? There's constantly storms. And so the, the boats are rocking, and they start freaking out. And the, the disciples go, hey, who's that standing away over there? Who's standing on the water? Who's walking on water? You know, you could, you know if there's waves, right, you see his head. You see, uh, oh, there, and then now I see him. Now, oh, I don't see him. You know what I mean? I think that's Jesus. So Peter, Petros. You know what's funny about Peter is that Peter wasn't Peter when he was called to be with Jesus. Remember what, his, what was his name? Simon. You know what Simon means? To hear. Peter calls Simon to be a disciple, come follow me. And he says immediately we see that it, he says Jesus changed his name. And it wasn't like, oh, I think I'm going to call you Chris. You know, that would be a great name. Chris, follower of Christ, that would make sense. He's like, eh, I'm going to call you Peter. But the way he says it, if you read it, he goes, Jesus, like, declared. He said it. You are now Peter, the rock whom I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter, the Catholics call him the first pope. Peter went from hearing Simon to becoming Peter the rock in an instant. So many times we let the world label us something and God comes and says, no, I now call you this. Sons of thunder. I had lots of good one. That's a good one. Sons of thunder. Oh, sons, I'll take sons of thunder. Peter the rock. So this rock is now going to step onto the water. You ever thrown a rock into water? Not good. If you're trying to float that bad boy. So Peter goes, I think it's Jesus. It looks like Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. And so Peter goes, if it's you, Lord, call me. So Jesus says, come on out. Come on then. Let's go. 
So Peter was the only one that had the courage to step out of the boat into the water because he believed that Jesus was going to, by his words, when he says come, that Jesus was going to figure this thing out. I don't know if he thought he was going to walk on water at that moment, but he knew Jesus had come, so I'm coming. Maybe he thought he was going to swim. I don't know. So he gets out and he starts walking and he realizes I'm walking on water. This doesn't seem human. This seems really interesting. And you can see Jesus. Come on, Peter. Keep coming. Keep walking. Keep looking straight. Come on. Your inheritance is right in front of you. Keep walking. And the Bible says that Peter began to realize what was happening. And he looks around. And he sees he's walking on water. This is not human. And he sees circumstance. And he, like we do, and we look to the left, to the right. And we see things. And Jesus, just come on. Walk straight. I got your inheritance right here. Don't doubt. Don't walk in unbelief. And we keep walking, and then we take another step, and we go, yeah, but what about this storm? What about that storm? And what about this alluring thing? And what about that thing? And Jesus says, just keep walking. Don't doubt who I am. I am who I say I am. Keep walking. And then eventually we begin to sink because we've taken our eyes off the prize, which is Jesus, and we've looked to the things of the world, and we've paid, we focused too much on what the news is saying, and we focused too much on what God, quote, didn't do for us. And we start to sink. And I find it really funny and interesting that he didn't just plop down like a rock. Did you ever think about that? How come he just says he started to sink? He began to sink. He began to sink. You don't begin to sink like you just, you sink. There's no beginning. You guys, how many of you have a pool? I want you to go and do this today. I want you to try and walk on water. Please have somebody videotape it. Be fully clothed with your watch and everything else, and we'll see if it happens. And we'll see, do you, because even if you start to sink, that'd be a miracle. That'd be newsworthy. He says, well, I'm down. I'm, I'm like in the middle of my pool, but I'm just, I'm down to my knees. I'm starting to sink. That's amazing. He didn't plop down. The rock didn't plop. Why? Because the grace of God sustains his sons and daughters. You don't just wake up one day and don't believe God. Like I said, it is time. It is, it is, it is like disappointment after disappointment after somebody saying, no, this God isn't who he says he is. And it's time, it's time. And then you just wake up one day and you're at the bottom of the ocean. But God's grace sustained his rock. And then the Bible says Jesus grabbed Peter and he says, depending on your translation, I cannot believe the unbelief you had in me. And he puts Peter back in the boat. The goodness of God. He put him back in the boat. And then the Bible says it was at that point and only at that point that the storm ceased. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at one side, 10,000 on the other side, nothing will come near me. No plague will come near my tent. Why? Because I'm focused. I'm in relationship. I'm in union with the Father. I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. This is the boat. The storm ceased when Jesus 
and Peter went back in the boat. Now notice Jesus didn't tell Peter, come join me until Peter said, call me. Be careful what you pray. Be careful. He'll call you. And then you'll find yourself having to really focus on him. <laughs> but it's always good. Because there's always hope attached to every time Jesus speaks to you. There's hope attached. We have heard the prophet say 2020 was going to be a year of rest. How many of you remember that? You remember this prophetic word? Even Zach and Michelle prophesied it. We heard it 2020, year of rest. 2020 is nothing like I thought it would be. Who's, who's with me here? I mean, I'm like ready. Bye-bye, 2020. See ya. I'm so excited about 2021 right now. The Lord actually showed me a picture of 2021, and it's, it looks really good. Um, he didn't show me 2020. The word that God gave for me, I told you before, was finish. And when you think about what's happening right now, finish is a very appropriate word. Finish. Don't be distracted by what you see. Don't be distracted by viruses. Don't be distract, distracted by rioting. Don't get involved in these things. Keep your eyes focused on me. Keep your eyes in the word. Keep your eyes off of the things of the world. Finish what I've called you to, to do. What I've called you to start, I want you to finish it. This is the word for our church too. Finish these things. Distractions are demonic. I mean... So we have this word, the prophecy, it's going to be rest, yet it seems like it's hard to rest certain times. And that's why we have to go back to what God says. What, listen, what does God say about you? What has God said about you, either through the prophets or through the word of God or through you personally? Go back and recall every prophetic word ever spoken to you. Especially in times like this, every word of hope ever spoken to you and spoken over you and every dream you've had in your heart, go recall them and recount them and remind yourself them. Sure, you can remind God, but he doesn't need reminding. You're really reminding yourself to come into agreement with the voice of God. Stand on the word. Stand on the rock. Because we're going to get through this. There's hope attached to every word of heaven. We're going to get through this. I wrote this on Facebook last night, really late. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. If you, if you care about me, you'll follow me on Facebook. <laughs> if you don't, you're dead to me. <laughs> and I don't, I don't block people. Um, I don't really unfriend people. I friend a lot of people, and I don't really unfriend them. Because um, I don't need to. I hide them. But anyway, I wrote this late last night, 12.09 a.m. I should have been asleep on a Saturday night, but God was uh, speaking. I said, recall every prophetic word of hope and destiny ever spoken over you. Oh, this is good. Never negotiate with unbelief. Yeah. We do that, don't we? We negotiate with the things 
that we have no business negotiating with. This is why I'll never argue with someone about black and white issues in the Bible. I'll never argue. You want to say that this sin is no longer sin because it was it's, you know, society and it's changed and it was it doesn't represent whatever. If the Bible says it, calls it out, I'm not going to even negotiate with you. I'm not going to let any doubt or deception try to creep into my mind. I won't do it. You want to talk about non-essentials all day? Let's go. You want to talk about healing? You want to talk about... But if you want to, if you want to convince me that it's okay for you to live in your lifestyle, that the Bible clearly says you can't and you are a believer, I won't even have a conversation with you. Because I don't need to walk into the same deception that you're walking in. Never negotiate with unbelief. Any view you have of God that does not start and end with his love being ravished over you, reject. Any theology that doesn't empower you to pray from a posture of victory, reject. You were not only made in his image, you were made also in his likeness. Remember that. He called you by your name and still calls you by your name. He goes before you, behind you, beside you. And I wrote, release hope to a world desperate for answers. Come on up, Kevin. So I want to close. I hope you were encouraged. Um, I know I, I didn't have a lot of jokes today. Sometimes it's all jokes and it's like whatever. Today was not a, and I, and I, you know, you know, and I, I even was like when I was preparing this, I'm like, God, I need some, I need some stories and I need some, you know, things to grab the people and, um, nothing came to me. So I'm like, that's fine. And then I realized unbelief is nothing to joke about. It is really serious topic and we cannot fall into the deception of unbelief. So stand with us if you can. If you're able to. And I just want to bless you. Let's just take a moment and we'll just, we got a little bit of time. Just take like a minute and just kind of stir up your heart. Stir the atmosphere in your heart. The atmosphere of heaven that's in your heart. on, receive the hope of glory. Receive the hope of glory that is your destiny, that is your inheritance. Reject any doubt in who God says he is. Right now, God is going to start um, bringing prophetic words to your mind that were spoken over you years ago that you forgot right now, God. He's going to start revealing some, some things remembering some things